It's your pal Siri. You have found the Ambiguously Blind Podcast, where we are challenging beliefs and revealing abilities that make people extraordinary. With your host, a guy that's great at hearing, but terrible at listening, John Grimes. Hey, 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 greetings. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in, subscribing, and supporting the podcast experience. Our guest for this episode is the one and only Liz Malone, the book marketing and publicist extraordinaire, also a co-host of the AT Banter podcast. As the only uh, female in that group, she definitely elevates the game of that podcast and brings some much-needed hockey knowledge as well, surprisingly. Hey, Liz, thanks for joining the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it. I don't know if I had a choice, actually, Liz. I got to tell you, <laughs> I, I appreciate that you appreciated it. Were you voluntold? Ryan likes to vi- voluntold tell people what to do. So I guess you didn't have a choice either. <laughs> I was voluntold also. This was going to have to happen. <laughs> this is like a like a like a bad blind date. Yes, no pun intended, it, right? uh, all kinds of puns right there. <laughs> we are starting off well, Liz. For those that don't know, Liz is uh, one of the co-hosts of the AT Banter podcast, for which I appeared uh, a couple of episodes, I don't know, a month or so ago. And uh, the, one of the other co-hosts, Ryan, was uh, appeared on this podcast, the most recent episode of this podcast. So it's kind of like we're going through the AT Banter rotation here. You're scraping the bottle, bottom of the you think so? bottom of the barrel. Yeah, think so? I think it. I'm I'm like four. I'm always the bottom of the barrel. So well, you're the newest of them, right? <laughs> yes, I am. How long have you been hanging out with those guys? At least on the uh, podcast. It's about a year and a half. Yeah. yeah, best year and a half of your life, probably. Uh, yeah, being hogtied and you know kept in the dungeon. <laughs> it's awesome. I do think it's kind of funny though. It's <laughs> it's three Canadian guys and an American girl, and you're the most <laughs> in depth hockey. Knowledge yeah. <laughs> on the podcast, right? I'm the only one who follows the team pretty regularly or almost religiously. Yeah. So it's kind of been it's it's definitely a joke. Rob knows nothing about sports. Ryan and uh and Steve, they've they've got some hockey love, but uh but I I mean not like me. Me and my New Jersey Devils. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. um uh, we're pulling for the Devils, I guess, until they match up with the Stars. Which I'm not really a big hockey fan, but if I, you know, if I'm going to root for anybody, it's going to be the Dallas Stars because that's where I am. So understandable. um, I'll root for the the Devils until it gets to the finals. Maybe it'll be the Devils and the uh, Stars. Wouldn't that be fun? That yeah. If that happens, we're going to come back this summer and do a uh, another episode, and we'll we'll I will do some. (laughs) I'll do some. I'll get I'll get involved, and I'll uh, I'll touch up on my hockey knowledge, and remember what icing is and. (laughs) <laughs> all those kind of things and we'll get we'll get in there and we'll do it how about that yeah we'll, we'll have some we'll have some betting going too it's we'll on definitely... the record so it's yeah it's been said yeah. it's now public devil's <laughs> stars stanley cup that'd be awesome and maybe a blind podcast episode whenever that whenever that is <laughs> awesome well that that'll be fun <laughs> yeah no right. I'm, I'm i'm down we'll talk about the uh the, the the banter podcast and what you guys talk about but i want to talk a little bit about Liz first. And I'm going to probably botch this quote. Uh oh. The quote is Life owes you absolutely nothing. But when you're handed a big bag of shit, that doesn't mean you have to eat it. Did I get that correct? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's my quote. <laughs> yes. Okay. I wanted to make sure I was accurate with that 
just for the record, where where I have it, I did put a little asterisk. Yes, I did see it in print, and there is <laughs> it's it's appropriate for others, but I can't do the asterisk in voice. <laughs> it's not the same. I right? guess I guess I could have just said S, but I'm gonna put the little mark on the episode now. This is now an expletive episode, so mm-hmm. unload whatever you want from here on out because it's I started it. It's your quote, but I started it. <laughs> it's my it is my quote. Yes. So you were talking about that in reference to a change in your life, uh, the visual impairment, what, what it was. I think it's retinitis pigmentosis or pigmentosa, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, I want to learn a little bit about that and kind of the journey you went on and, and where we are today with that. Yeah. So the RP journey, which kind of interesting about it or what's very unique about it is that journey is probably the best word for it. It's not, there's really, you don't know where you're going to end up. You don't know, I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow. I don't know where it'll be in a month. And you have to just kind of take it day by day. And each person who has RP, their journey is very individual. That's something we've always, we've talked about is the, the, the complexity of the, uh, the mutations and how it's so hard to to find treatments or cures for it. So my philosophy has become evolved to certainly did not happen right away was that I just have to kind of live my life and take it for what it is. And, um, and, and basically whatever happens with my vision, I'm going to just have to, you know, face it as things change. I kind of know where it, it, most likely will end up, but I just don't know when. And uh, so in the meantime, I'm not, I'm not going to roll over and just, uh, you know, play dead and, and, uh, and let everything pass me by in the meantime. So I love it because my, one of my new mottos is don't wait. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm making some shirts that say that maybe I can get your shirt that says don't wait. But the the concept is, I think what you just said, you can't, you just got to go. And yeah, um, make the next right moves at, at any, just, just take the next right step. Just keep moving in that direction. And, and, uh, life is Liz, we're older today than we were yesterday. You know, um, maybe you are, I don't so, know. About oh, whoa. <laughs> All right. Let's change gears here. I'm interested in this. What? Tell me about that. Oh no, I'm just, I'm just fighting it. I, I, I kind of joke. I say, well, you know, you, you, I'm a woman of a certain age. And at some point it's just like, I'm like, okay, I'm not even going to, start counting it anymore it's just yeah, you know. 20 25 i that's i got you at 25 so we'll keep it i'll there. take that yeah i'll take 25 any day. yeah so when did you first understand when, when was it diagnosed or ha, what what led you to seeking diagnosis or, or exploring you know did something happen was there an event or a series of events yeah so my uh my case of rp has been classified by my uh my retinal specialist as being a very classic RP. That's probably good, right? I, I mean, get, yeah, you know, know there's a tractor run on there. Yeah, there's it's 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 very classic. It's he, and I guess in his in his opinion, it's makes it maybe a little more predictable mm-hmm. in that in that way. Uh, but it, listen, I'm I'm not I'm not ashamed of my age. I joke about that all the time. But I'm 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 soon to be 48 years old, and um, so for someone at at my age and still having usable vision to me is a blessing in having RP. So 
and just to rewind, like you, you were asking me about, like, when did it start? I had all the classic symptoms as a child. I started noticing night blindness and uh, didn't notice it until kind of that adolescent period when you start hanging out with your peers and you're going out at night and I'm in the movie theater and I can't, I'm tripping over seats and my friends aren't or hanging out in the park at night trying to smoke cigarettes and I'm the only one running into trees and we're trying to get away from the cops. <laughs> and oh, those uh, are the days, yeah. Yeah, man, boy, that, yeah, the RP really did not help me in that, uh, <laughs> in that arena. <laughs> and so the, the, early on, I thought I just, I just had like a, a rod deficiency that mm-hmm. it was just something, something simple like that. And uh, so, yeah, so and when I ended up going to a um, uh, an optometrist, believe it or not, and was trying to get some glasses that would help me better, she's the one, an optometrist, not even an ophthalmologist, an optometrist, she, mm-hmm. she couldn't get me to 2020, and she saw a spot or something that looked abnormal on the retina, and she said, I really want you to go see an actual specialist. And um I did, and that's when the diagnosis was discovered. And I was, uh, I was twenty at the time. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty far down from many of the stories that I've heard. Um, but I guess it kind of is all over the place. And I just mm-hmm. wonder if you know, I'm a I'm a parent of some young kids, and we just did a well check for a birthday, which we do each year. And they one of the things they check is is they check for sight, mm-hmm. and I just don't know. We're a pretty similar age, uh, Liz. So I don't know if they checked sight back then like they do today. I'm surely it's better now, but like I don't know if they how how much they looked at it. But I wonder if they would have seen something earlier. You know, like they they have this little device that they and and I, I mentioned this because uh, a friend of ours, a neighbor of ours, they go to the same same pediatrician we go to, and and at their last visit just a few days ago. Um, they were referred to an ophthalmologist for, mm-hmm. for you know, for sight something in the site. They didn't tell them what, but they said you should go see. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm, I know way too much about this stuff now. That's hopefully it's something very minor, but it's a little ominous. And the yeah. kid is um, uh, just turned five, so like I just wonder if if with technology and things that are happening today, if if things are caught sooner with those types of tests that I just don't, maybe this didn't exist, you know, 40 years ago or something. Well, I mean, when you think about it, when we were, when we were kids, you know, we didn't have helmets, we didn't have to wear seatbelts. We didn't have any of these safeguards that kids have today, which, so, I mean, it's, I even am amazed that I've even somehow managed to survive my childhood. When you think about some of the the stories a cement playground, <laughs> exactly. Slides Metal. That were like 10 feet tall. <laughs> Steel slides. I, I remember cracking my my front teeth on those. Remember the metal rocket ship things that you could hang on, yeah. and I slipped and I, uh-huh. you know, hit my head, and uh, yeah, my front teeth were just smashed. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I I I remember my vision checks as a kid, if I even had them, was maybe having a light shine in my eyes mm-hmm. just to see if the pupils reacted, mm-hmm. and if you were lucky, a Snellen chart and that's it. I don't remember anyone. I, I never had any tests beyond that. I don't know what they do now. It's, it's, it's a very fast test and they have some device that they stand across the room and they shine it at the child's eyes. And within like 10 seconds or like they have their reading or whatever measurement they need. 
So wow, I, I don't amazing. know. It's a little handheld. It, it is. Yeah. And every time they do it, I, that I've witnessed it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this, I hope this goes good. Because again, <laughs> our neighbor, they're going to an ophthalmologist. So I'm, I'm hoping and praying for the best for them. But, you know, that's, uh, something's going on. Let's hope, let's hope it's maybe just a miss. Anyway, so I, I, I was just, that got me thinking that I wonder if, you know, at, at an earlier age, if those types of things would have shown up for you, I wonder if there were some other treatments or other things that could have happened. But like your your childhood up to 20, I mean, you 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 were relatively normal as far as socially and sports and did you drive normally? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. So, I, I was driving. I was doing everything that, uh, you, you know, an, your average person would yeah. be doing up until that point. But I was just given this ominous news about what my future holds. And, you know, when you're 20, you know, you're, you're, mm. I mean, you're, you're in college, you're thinking about yes. the, you know, the, the worlds uh, around you and the, all you have, all your dreams, hopes and aspirations and, uh, and being told at that time, yeah, you're going to be losing your vision and you're going to be legally blind by age 40, which at that time, and it's kind of funny now being beyond 40, that I'm like, Oh my God, that seems really far. Yeah. But at the same time, it seemed very terrifying um, because you don't, you know, I mean, at 20, what do you, what do you know with that? I mean, gosh, you don't even know how to balance a checkbook, let alone understand uh, what something like that really means to your life. Yeah. I, my sight change happened when I was 19. Mine was pretty instantaneous and I didn't have any warning of it. And there's a song by a band called the old 97s, a, a uh, really good friend of mine who I've never met is the singer, uh, Rhett Miller. And he, they have a song called 19. And the, 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 the idea is 19. It's, it's not the age of reason, right? Mm -hmm. So like, you're not, you're not thinking clearly when you're 19, you're 19, you're having fun. You're, you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof and mm -hmm. nothing can stop you for the most part, a, a 19 year old. And that's just not a place that you, uh, it certainly wasn't a place I envisioned myself being, but yeah. then you're there. So what, yeah. what is it like? What, what happens at 20? What happens in the next couple of years did once you're told this is happening did you all of a sudden say oh yeah that makes sense or oh yeah this makes sense or was it like these guys are crazy uh well i mean it certain things that i had been experiencing symptomatically like the night blindness started to make sense at least then i was able to now when as i moved forward i was able to recognize oh that's probably because i have this thing this rp with a name that at the time i'm like i can't even pronounce it. It's a big word too. It's almost it was, like it's ambiguously. A huge, it's, a, it's a big word. It's like wow, I think what? you're. I think ambiguously is harder. <laughs> I don't. You, it, it's a mouthful. <laughs> it's, got, it's got an O. It's it's. I don't know how many words in the English it's language. Got two have U's. U O U in it. That's how many words have two U's in it? Um, not. It can't so, be many. But I'm sure no. somebody listening is like like a lot because. What do you guys, <laughs> but yeah, ambiguously. But I don't know. Pigmentosa. Um, retinitis. I don't retinitis, know. Retinitis, pigmentosa. Yeah, yeah it just, doesn't just doesn't roll off the tongue. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. So we'll just call it RP. I think yeah, everybody's got it from here. They got it. Yeah. yeah. So, I, but I, I, um, I started to limit my my driving at night, um, and probably what you heard quite a bit from others in in the community who have RP when you're in, when you kind of have that baby step progression into blindness uh you tend to start to hide it yeah. because you you're like oh gosh i now I, I don't want people to know i you know they're gonna think 
look at me differently. Uh, oh my God, you want me to walk around with that cane? Are you kidding me? That doesn't go with my outfit. What guy is going to want to date me? I mean, and all those things are, I'm going to say that they're real because that's, those are the things that go through your head when you're that age. And I, I think any age, may, maybe later in life, I guess you might be okay to just be like, well, whatever. But like, especially earlier in life, it's, it's, I mean, even for me, I mean, I was, I faked it all the time um, mm -hmm. because a lot of times it was just easier and mm -hmm. in a social situation until it wasn't easier. And then it's super awkward and weird, but like mm -hmm. a lot of it is your own psyche too. You're, you're psyching yourself up or down or trying mm -hmm. to say, no, this isn't really, this, this isn't that bad or this isn't really changing. And I, I suspect some of that was happening with you too. Yeah. And you don't know what you can't see, <laughs> you know, exactly. sometimes, yeah. sometimes I would, uh, I thought I could see more than I actually could. And then one night in New York city, uh, I stepped into a sidewalk cellar. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So New York city is not a good place to go when, when you, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of dangers in New York city in the daytime for Fully perfectly yeah. well-sighted right. people. And, right. um, but, uh, yeah, it could be, it can be treacherous. Uh, um, in the dark. And, uh, yeah, so I, I definitely had some, some mishaps that, yeah, I mean, it, it's it sort of, it's, a, I hate to say it, but it, I think it sometimes takes those situations to sort of kind of smack you and say, definitely. Oh my gosh, no, yeah. this is not worth my life. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, and I was, I was hiding it at work too, because, and that's also, a thing where you're afraid that your coworkers are going to think less of you. Your, your superiors are going to see you as being inferior or incapable. You're going to get fired. Um, you're going to get demoted. Yeah. Yeah. It's moved around. Yeah. There's a lot of it's, implications. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely scary. And uh, I had one situation where I was uh, visiting a client's office and they had a, uh, in the waiting room, they had like this glass coffee table that was, very clear and i guess it had maybe a colored rim to make it this and i didn't i um, i mean i basically went across mm -hmm. this glass table yeah. I, I mean and Gla glass is not a not a not a good thing for people with visual impairments yeah i but you know i i i don't know if you've ever seen a fully sighted person walk into like a very clean glass yeah. store or something so yeah if, if you're not paying attention but if you if you have an impairment on top of something being very clean it's uh it's like it's a very bad combination that happened to me i was in a um gosh what was the store it was a record store i think it was a virgin record store actually oh, the virgin days yeah yeah uh this was in the my early days of sight loss where so i have zero vision in my right eye and i have about mm -hmm. 2300 vision in my left eye Mm -hmm. I can see just enough to be dangerous. It's mm -hmm. ambiguous. And I will say that what you just described, a lot of your stuff is ambiguous. I think you mm -hmm. can be considered ambiguously blind, at least in these stages. I think I'm a little dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of the things I like about you. Is, I'm on the edge. Yeah. That's a good place to be occasionally. You don't want to live there all the time, but no, 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 you want no, to approach no. the edge. No, but I not go but, over. Yeah. But I'm, so I'm, I'm in Trying a, I'm in a Virgin record store and I'm leaving and you know how they have um, little sensors, like little, you know, they're all the things have tags on them. So if somebody's trying to steal something that beeps when you go out the door, you know? Yep. And so they had these standing sensors. They were clear plexiglass. Mm. And yeah. there was like 
you know, think of a doorway that's maybe 10 feet, 12 feet wide that I'm walking out and there was probably like, uh, I'm thinking there was like two or three, like kind of like lanes you would walk through these sensors mm-hmm. and I didn't see them. I did. I didn't see them at all. And I just walk and like, like right in the middle and just, you know, what's in the middle for certain yeah. people, right? Particularly men <laughs> just walked right into it. And just like, I almost knocked the whole thing over. I mean, I was just in a full pace walk, just walking out and just boom. Oof. And, um, Oof. Were my, you seeing stars after that? My, my ego was the thing that was the most bruised, but it, yeah, it hurt. But those kind of things, you know, and I've, I've definitely been in situations where glass, where like, I have to really pay attention if you're walking somewhere where there's a, I don't like glass doors because mm-hmm. I can't tell where the door stops and the, you know, the not door is right. I can't, I, I, those are dangerous. Yeah. So I have yeah. to always take a lot of uh, extra attention. I don't use a cane. I don't have a dog, so that's where the whole dangerous thing, which I think you can relate to, at least the dangerous part. And um, so it's not obvious that that's going on. And so I do have these situations where I could I could walk into one of those things. But that was a good learning time or a good learning experience, I guess, for me, because it um, taught me to be a lot more aware of <laughs> what's around me and things that are low. Like I can't my my the way my field of vision works, it's like my 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 field of vision is like if you're looking at a, a clock between uh, 12 and nine o'clock is my field of vision. And so um, if it's anything below nine o'clock, I can't see it unless I you know, move my head or move my eyes. So a lot of times thing will be, things will be below me, like right in front of me, below me that I won't see. Mm-hmm. So you got to watch out for that stuff too. And it's uh, through time and experience, I've learned how to adapt to that. But there are still, I mentioned I'm, I'm a parent and there's stuff on the floor of my house all the time. So yeah. if nothing else, that's taught me a lot about, you know, looking down <laughs> to make sure I'm not going to step on something or knock myself out. Avoidance of pain is an extremely powerful motivator. It sure, is. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah. I have a, I have a little puppy dog, not a, not a guy dog, but a pet dog. And there are toys everywhere so my my house is like so i can relate to that my house is like a death trap sometimes yeah i swear i think my dog is secretly trying to kill me might be, might be. <laughs> i think she kind of knows where i'm going to be and she purposely leaves like the sharpest bone that's going to just go right up down on the ground with her that sounds like it's an attention thing it's it's very it's so effective <laughs> sounds like it yeah so do you drive today no, no, I had to stop driving um, over 10, yeah, over 10 years ago. So was that difficult? Was that like a big moment in life? So um, I was living in New York City, so I didn't even own yep. a car. Okay. So I wasn't actually driving, but it was the actual, the the surrendering of the license that I think was a, was a very big step. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, you know, and I'm going to have to just kind of, be a big girl about this. And I'm not, I, you know, I knew that I, I, it's, there's no reason for me to have it. And, um, and maybe that was sort of that, that big moment to be like, yes, I, this is, this is who I am and this is my life and driving is not going to be part of it ever again. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Um, 
things. But yeah, it's that it's definitely that uh, it's what it symbolizes, which I think is really hard. It's sort of like when someone gets gets old and they really should just don't have yeah. the physical ability to operate a car. I mean, my dad should have had his when he was getting up there in age, he should have given up his driver's license. And he, man, I was like trying to pull it out of his Kung Fu grip. Like he was not getting, yeah. given that thing up. Um, I think that's normal. I mean, I think, yeah, I, I can certainly understand that as being somebody who has gone through that, like you have. And and that's kind of a thing that, that, that we know at an earlier age that most people don't, I, my grandparents, you know, I, I, I don't know that they really fought it, but they certainly were hanging on a lot longer than they probably should have. Right. And it's, it's a tough thing. It really is. And it's so much about independence and autonomy and just, it's nice to, I mean, you've experienced this. It's nice to, you know, go somewhere when you want to go somewhere and not have to worry about who's going to take you or when they're going to be there or if Uber's going to be there or how much it's mm -hmm. going to cost to Uber from here to wherever or all the, all the things that you have to consider without the license, it's, yeah. um, you know, uh, it's a pretty big thing. Yeah. And I think it, de it certainly depends on where you're living. Yeah. I, I feel like maybe living in, in the city at that time might've made that decision a little easier for you. Yeah. How long were you there after that? Um, ooh, how long was I? Probably another Oh gosh, probably another five, five or more years okay. ish. So what was it like when you got to not New York city? Were you prepared for that? Well, I had to do a lot of research to move to an area that had some decent transportation, public transportation. And I, and let me tell you, Uber and Lyft are such game changers. Yeah. And so I, I think that for people who have, who are in that phase of their lives, and are sacrificing that part of their independence. I think it's a very different a different world yes, than it was yeah. even for me like 12 years ago. Um, I think it's probably maybe it, there, there's more, it, there's just so many more options. And I think a lot of cities have developed more and they want to have better uh, mass, mass transit. Because there was a time when if you were blind, you moved to New York City because it was the only city that had accessibility in terms of the, the such a such a solid. Or you um, were definitely system. in a seriously urban environment. You need to be in a city location. You need to be in a big city for those types of things. Because where I am, I mean, I'm in Dallas, but I'm in the suburbs and there's not anything where I am. No, no public mm -hmm. transportation whatsoever. Right. So it's, you have to move closer to, to Dallas to get into that, um, into that. And I, obviously New York city would be a great place for that, but then you got all the New York city stuff. It's, it's, you know, everything has a trade-off, I guess, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. So it's like, yeah, you got great transit, but yeah, you've got you you know, might get rats in the subway in and you might fall into a sidewalk cellar. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta watch out for those too. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely, you know, I mean, and I love New York. I, it's, I mean, that's home for me, but, um, but it, it's, you know, the, the things that probably have not caught up in my opinion is, you know, some of, I think some of the ADA rules are a little antiquated in terms of transportation. So when I, when, you know, where I, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina now, um, I had to be really careful that where I moved to was within three quarters of a mile of a fixed bus route so that mm -hmm. I could still use, um, use ADA transportation. Um, and so it sort of really made it tricky to kind of find the right 
location because there were places I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then when Matt, I was like, oh my gosh, it's like can't be there. nine yeah. miles. Yeah. And so it's things like that. You're limited. Um, There's yeah, limitations on that. Yeah. Yeah. So um uh, yeah. So I mean it just it just adds another layer of complexity. So um and I I I I think that it's just uh you know it's you have to figure out what your priorities are in terms of what you want. Um, and I wanted to get out of the city. I really needed a change. And so, yeah. So, I mean, I, I lost that, that, um, that great transit system. Um, but yeah, so I just made sure that I moved to a place where I would still get most of them. But like I said, it's a different world now with Uber and Lyft, you know, in just, a just even in these last few years. So hopefully that's helping a lot of people out. Something else that's changed in the last couple of years is the work from home. I mean, oh is, yeah, yeah. Is is uh, the the transportation is so much less of an issue for me. We we shut down whenever you know that happened with the first March of uh, twenty, and from that point forward, I've been working from home since, which mm. uh, is something I've been actually trying to do for a long time, but really was never able to do it because it just makes life. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are there are pluses and minuses to working from home too. I mentioned I have right. like a house full of crazy people. So I, I work with, <laughs> I work with them. I have some new coworkers that I didn't have previously, but mm -hmm. my commute's mm -hmm. like 90 seconds now. And that's if, if the coffee maker takes an extra long time in the morning. So that's really been great for me. Um, are you able to do stuff from home more than you had in the past? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because when I, I left New York, so I had a couple of life changes outside of the, the vision loss. Um, I had one of my, one of my parents had passed away and my other one was having difficulties, uh, without, without my mom. Um, and so it put a, it put the extra burden of trying to, you know, juggle, um, managing my life helping my parents and kind of figuring out like, well, what am I, you know, what am I going to do from now on? And, um, so I was doing consulting work very limitedly. And, um, then I, I just said, I can't do it like this. I have to just kind of make this big change. And that's when I said, okay, I'm going to just leave New York because New York was sucking my bank account dry with the, um, the ridiculous rents. And so I said, okay, I'm going to move to moved to a different city and that's when I picked Charlotte. And then since I've been here, I have been working from home and I started, uh, I took basically all my, my media marketing experience and started, uh, working, um, in building my own practice as a, a marketing and publicist, mainly primarily working with authors and I work from home. Yeah. So it's, it, it, it somehow worked all worked out for me. I didn't know it. It's, it was really scary. Um, but I guess, uh, you know, everything, I guess like for me, for once in my life, I felt like, Oh my God, all the stars were in alignment and, um, and got me to a, to a, to a solid place. That's great. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about Liz Malone, the marketing publicist. I have that yeah. Right? Mark. Yeah. Marketing publicist. That's what I call myself. All right. The book marketing <laughs> yeah. publicist. <laughs> so how does and you're you're in you're on your own your your own shop you're yeah yeah i'm the uh i'm the boss and chief I'm cook the, and bottle washer right? everything yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're well you're also a and we mentioned a minute ago too the you're a podcaster 
You've done mm-hmm. some podcasting of your own, and I, I joke about this, but it's nice to know that you're down with, you're of a certain age that you know what OPP is. I do. People, <laughs> Both of them, other, I guess. Other people's <laughs> podcasts. I don't, know, I don't know if there's another one. I don't know I'm what not you're gonna, talk, Yeah. I don't know yeah, what you're talking about. Other, I don't, yeah. Other people's podcasts, know. right. Yeah, so. Sure, that's it's, it. <laughs> it's nice that you are down with uh, other people's podcasts in addition to... <laughs> So we're trying to keep this again. I the asterisk is already marked for explicit. You're, you're, so you already listen. That ship has already sailed. You got the E. <laughs> so what what is a book marketing publicist? What is what happens there? How, how does how does one do that, or what does one do for that? Yeah. So I, I and I I call myself a hybrid because you have book you have people who work as publicists and and. In essence, the publicist's job is to um, garner media attention through, you know, traditional media for your subject matter. In my case, it would be authors and books. So it might be, you know, anything from getting a, a book review to getting an interview to getting a TV spot to getting on a podcast to getting a blogger to write about it. So it's really anything using like the, the I guess, mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of refer to that as earned media, which is not anything that's paid for. So when you, once you pay for it, that's really considered advertising. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where that line is. Um, and then on the marketing side, um, in my case, a lot of publicists don't do marketing also, but my whole background is in marketing. So I will do things in terms of also working with advertising and setting up events and, um, you know, doing things more in the, in the development side and helping with book covers and, you know, really working on the imaging. And so it's kind of like a, a, that's why I say it's really a hybrid and the, the benefit to my clients in terms of being able to offer more services because of my background is that I'm able to work with my client really from start to finish, which is really, which is really awesome. It is. Um, I don't have to say, well, I don't do that. So you're gonna have to go get a marketer for this. You have to get a, no, you're gonna have to go hire a, a, a publicist to write a, write your release. And, and I kind of just do, do everything. So it's it's so it's a little unique in that sense. I'm sure there are others out there that might that probably do the same thing, but um, it's it's not really as common as having one or the other, if you will. Sure. Yeah. And you're yeah. the fact that you're down with OPP helps them get on other people's podcasts too. So it's like totally makes sense in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a no pod, podcasts have become such a, a an amazing uh, um, you know marketing tool for sure. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And yeah. I think your is your tagline elevating today's stories. It is, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love telling stories and sharing stories. I'm trying to ser- share a story of my own. Mm, yeah. And there, I think there's a lot of extraordinary stories out there, and oh, yeah. generally people are willing to tell them. I find when we, I try to find people for this podcast, not everybody really has an opportunity to tell their story, and I feel like that's important. It's, uh, if you want to, you 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 know. There, there's a place and a, and a time and a place for all the stories. And um, that's that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. the And that's where someone like a who, who does, you know, marketing or PR comes in handy because a lot of what we'll do is sort of that legwork. And sometimes it's easier to have somebody else pitch, pitch uh, a media for you as opposed to, you know, sometimes it feels awkward. You're like, 
timeless. Talking uh, about yeah. yourself and sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, well, I'm John. I'm great. Don't you want to talk to me? You know, as opposed to having, you know, somebody That's what on I the say. Outside. I'm John. I'm great. I'm John. Why I'm great. Come be on my podcast. <laughs> buy my book. <laughs> Please you know, buy why, my why book. Why wouldn't you buy my book? I'm so great. And it's, you know, and it's for as many podcasts that have popped up and blogs and, um, you know, and, and whether it be like bookstagrammers or, you know, all different, all social media influencers of, of all different levels for as many as have popped up, even with so many opportunities, it's still competitive because there are so many people vying for those spots. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, you would think like, oh my gosh, there's a, a gazillion places for you to be on. I'm like, well, there are. And guess what? There's all the publicists are, <laughs> are crashing down. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. A swarm. And, and not all those places have a big reach either. I mean, you might be spinning your wheels on some. So you got to so, be smart about where you go to and, and what you do. So I have I, so I have a theory on that. And I mean, if you want to hear my theory oh, I love about theory. it. It's a, it okay, there's another so. thing here that says that you occasionally have a big mouth, too. Oh, yeah. That's more, probably more than occasionally. So, well, it says occasionally on your profile. Anyway, so I'll stick with that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm sure that, you know, Ryan, Rob and Steve, Ryan, Rob and Steve, my gosh, would uh, would disagree. However, um they're not here right now, right? No, so, they're not. Is... so it's just my opinion, <laughs> my story, my my <laughs> side of the story. Um, so, <laughs> gosh, sorry. Um, they, it makes me laugh when yeah, we talk about Yeah, unload. Let's have it. Just let's yeah. get the real. Let's get opine. Let's go. Let's have it. Oh yeah. No, well, okay. So, but you know, just to get back to the whole thing about having guests on podcasts and 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 you know, when someone gets onto a podcast that doesn't have a, a you know. A lot of reach, for example. So I always say that for if you're a podcaster, your strategy should be getting guests that are active because your guests are going to be your your greatest opportunity to extend your reach of your program. And so sometimes you'll I'll run into podcasts and I'm and I'm like, that's really a it's a good show. I said, but the person they have, they're not marketing it. They're not, they don't have a following and stuff. So I think like if you're looking at it from a marketing standpoint, you want your guests to have followings that are going to actually take the content and share mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And then as from a marketing standpoint, if I'm going to utilize somebody's show, for example, to for my client and I see that, okay, they don't have a ton of list, uh, you know, listeners or um, they don't have tons of social media. You're, you're talking I about this podcast, right? My podcast. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> just in I'm just generally speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When if I get if I get uh if I put a client on there, I still think it's a great opportunity because it creates great content that I'm then able to use and share. Yeah. And use as examples and um and you know, use it to showcase. Sometimes it's even using that to show to somebody else to say, Hey, here was my client and they appeared on here. You can get to know them. So there's a, a lot of different ways that you would, you, you can use it. So, but I mean, that's, I'm a, I'm probably, I know it, I'm more strategic than the average person just because of what I do, but those in, in general are kind of ways that, um, that people in my, in my field would look at these opportunities and how to utilize the best. Is there anybody that you've worked with as a marketer publicist that you're like, wow, I can't, this is cool. This is a great story I'm working with here. Um, well, I, 
so right now I have five authors that I'm working with and I, and I love them all. Like, you know, it's like, you can't pick a favorite sure, child. Yeah. Let's, let's not, air, so, let's not single anybody out here. We're... So, well, so I'll start with that, but I will say that, um, I do have, so two, I will just mention two of my clients because they're they're They are exceptional in their craft. So I have Stephen Hartove and he's a, a New York times bestselling author. And he's really the one who got me started to get me into my marketing publicist role. Um, he and I had a, we had a chance meeting and I was trying to figure out, I'm, I've got all this marketing experience. I'm trying to figure out what to do with it. And here he is a New York Times bestselling author. And we had never had an outside publicist. And we met in my hometown in New Jersey, uh, the town that he lives in and the town that I'm from. And we, we met at a, we, a CVS and we the, just got talking. Store? Yeah, yeah, we just okay. met at yeah, we met in CCS and and um and he said, "Yeah, I'm a writer." And he gave me his bookmark cuz, you know, being a good writer promoting his sure, work and yeah. stuff and and I and and I said, "Well, I, I said I'm not, you know, I'm not a um I said, "Well, I I said I I dabble in writing." And he says, "Hey, it's like, well, no." He's like, "Well, take my take my card." And then we just started talking and then he, when he found out I was a marketer, he said, "I really would love to have somebody working with me." And we said, "Well, can we make this work?" And that was like four years ago and he's still, you know, still my client. Uh, so, and he's got a, he's got a fantastic book out right now called the last of the seven beautifully lyrical historical novel, uh, world war two. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, sometimes, you know, when I go into a, if you go into a bookstore and I see my client's book, there is that moment where I'm like, oh, that's actually really cool. You know, that's mm -hmm. my client. And then I want to just mention Jerome Preisler, who is a multiple New York Times bestseller, currently has a, um, a book called Net Force Moving Target, which is a Tom, Tom Clancy co-created series. And um, yeah, so, I mean, both, you know, both their books are, are available wherever you can buy books. And uh, it's really cool. Yeah, you know, getting, getting someone to send me a picture that they took from, here's Jerome's book sitting at LaGuardia Airport, you know. So it's just, it's stuff like that, that you're, yeah. you, you kind of, as a publicist, because we're so behind the scenes, you're kind of like, wow, that's, that's actually really neat. You know, uh, you mentioned, you mentioned a bookstore. Tell me, what is that? What's a bookstore? What is it? <laughs> yeah. It's a very, uh, you know, it's a very, very flammable place that doesn't really exist anymore. It's all. Just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Barnes and Noble, I guess, or are there is Borders still a bookstore? Or I mean, the live at the airport bookstores that makes it, yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. So they have you know there's always they're always going to be like what is it like Hudson News and stuff like that that are yeah. in a lot of the transportation hubs. They're still like um, there's okay. So I'm a huge fan of the independent bookstores, and there's sure. some really amazing stores all over the country. But yeah, but. You know, you saw like I said, Books and Millions, those brick and mortar. There's uh there's there's still a few of them out there, but um it's definitely it's definitely it's changed. an Amazon world we're living in. It is quite the Jeff Bezos world we're yeah. in for sure. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. does does New York Times bestseller still mean the same today as it did thirty years ago? Or is an Amazon bestseller close to that? Or so, just a different thing entirely or yeah, I they are different. Um, where Amazon, you can be so people will throw around the bestseller. Yes, there's a lot. There's a lot of Amazon bestsellers it's, out there. I don't think I, I think everybody is a bestseller yeah. <laughs> these days because I. Well, there's I a lot of categories probably. Like you're the bestseller of like niche down to like. 
I can, it, it, yeah. And that's, and there are certain, uh, I'll just call them like methods that will be implemented sure. can, can, can um, make that happen sure yes yeah and I gotcha. uh yeah. yeah and um especially because like if you if if let's say there's a run on sales on a book which i i'm not going to accuse anybody sure. i'm just saying hypothetically there's ways that, to manipulate those numbers is what you're there's saying. definitely yes. yeah and and it, and you might have you might hit number one for, or not even number one, but in the to be a considered a bestseller for just a fleeting moment. And if you were there, boom, you're a bestseller. Bam! Um, put the badge on your website and your yeah your tagline and and LinkedIn, and you're you're there. So yeah. So yeah. So it does it. So I guess when you say you're you're a bestseller, it's lost some of its um its emphasis, its power, mm-hmm. its its prestige. Um, but if you're able to throw in a USA Today or New York Times or, uh, you know, something in front of it, Sunday Times or, you know, then it certainly gives it a little more weight. Well, we may have some things to talk about, Liz, because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm about to become a, uh, a book writer myself. If Are you going to be a bestseller? I think yeah. I, I'm, sm- I'm sensing a bestseller. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely going to be a bestseller on Amazon for nose picking um, memoir uh, hit- of a guy that's from dallas that is i have to keep working on the sub niches but i'll find one and i'll we'll be a bestseller in that yeah. we'll, we'll find it <laughs> i'll put it on my everywhere but like number one best selling that's right Amazon. and 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 you know what i would still encourage you to <laughs> as much as it, it 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 sometimes does annoy me i would as a publicist I'd be like of course we're gonna use yeah it. you might as well right? yeah for sure <laughs> Oh God! Well, I think that's great, Liz. Um, I'm so I need to know your contact information because we may we may need to get together. But if somebody else is looking for a book marketing publicist, or somebody wants to find AT Banter, or the we didn't even mention your previous podcast, uh, Breaking Dishes. Yeah, there's there still some that's hanging out there still. They're they're episodes. floating. Yeah, I think there's <laughs> some good material out there. So, where does somebody find you? Yeah, I think the best place is to just hit me up through my website and you can find my links and you can contact me and that's uh lismalone.com and it's l-i-s-m-a-l-o-n-e.com okay we'll link that in the show notes below but you're on all the social platforms we don't need to mention them yep. but your links are all there and yep we'll go and find you so liz Please thanks do. thanks a whole bunch for hanging out with us any parting words any any shots you want to take at the the at banter guys or anything? <laughs> I think they get abused enough by me. I get, I get, a, I get some really good shots in during our show. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a bunch, Liz. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thanks for spending time with the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Please rate and write a review wherever you subscribe and connect and share with us at ambiguouslyblind.com.